0: Aeons of conflict has caused the rise and fall of many of the astral beings. What will you find in your exploration of the Graveyard of the Gods? This week on Schedule for Launch, join me, Zach Walsh, as I talk with Matthew Hansen of Sneak Attack Press to discuss the upcoming Dungeons & Dragons 5th edition and Pathfinder 2nd edition supplement, Graveyard of the Gods, Explore the astral planes and the remnants of long-forgotten gods and those who worship them in this action-packed adventure supplement. We discuss production, collaboration, and community. Welcome to Schedule for Launch, a podcast to discover the projects that you may have missed. This week, I am super excited to be bringing in a fairly seasoned creator who is bringing us a really cool project. That might help spice up your D&D 5e games or Pathfinder 2e games. I'm recently getting back into that stuff, as some of you may know. So, Matthew, thank you for joining us on the show this week. Yeah, thank you for having me here. I was really excited when I saw the art for this. I'd seen you post in other places, kind of promoting the project a little bit before the Kickstarter really started to go live so i i was very excited to be talking to you about this one because it looks really interesting and i think a lot of people will find this a really cool game to pick up
1: thank you that's really great to hear i'm like i'm really excited about it and it's always nice to hear that other people are picking up on that and sharing that excitement too
0: I think it's something really unique that's not currently offered by either Paizo or Wizards. So I think that's that's where my excitement comes in on this one.
1: Um yeah, it is um it's actually funny because it's sort of intended to be uh used with spelljammer. Like we can't legally yeah. say that it's used with spelljammer. Um but We're on the Astral Plane, and, uh, you know, they kind of do that with Spelljammer. Of course, you don't need Mm. to do Spelljammer with it. You can just be exploring out there uh, in the Astral Sea. But I've heard uh, some people are, like, unhappy a little bit about Spelljammer being a little thin. So Mm. if you're in the Spelljammer and you want to thicken it up, it might be a good option. Um, because they give you that one adventure with it, but then this will give you at least six more, maybe more if we hit some stretched goals about uh dead gods on the astral sea. Who doesn't like that? That's pretty great.
0: That is something that I'm really excited to kind of hop into, but we're gonna get to that in a moment. And before we really dive into Graveyard of the Gods, Matthew, can you tell the audience a little bit about yourself?
1: Sure thing. Uh, I've been playing D anD D for like thirty some years, thirty plus years. I started uh, when I was a kid with the uh, Red Box. Okay. Uh, been playing for a while. Uh, after college, I started doing a little freelancing. I wrote a couple articles for Dragon Magazine back when that was in print and. Did some stuff for Kobold Press and a bunch of other publishers. And then around 2010, decided to uh, start my own game company. Um, Started out just doing a few small adventures. And then uh, I did, like, originally all the writing myself. Um, I used public domain art for the first ones. And then I grew it and started hiring freelancers and doing bigger and bigger projects. and. Um, yeah, just doing stuff like that. Um, I wrote a game called Magical Kitties Save the Day, which is exactly what it sounds like. And so cute. Yeah, thanks. Uh, that got picked up by Atlas Games, so they put out the second edition, and I still work with them, working on supplements and stuff for that. So that's maybe like my biggest achievement in the RPG world. And yeah, when I'm not doing that. I'm a father of two kids. One of them's old enough to play Magical Kitties Save the Day, which is pretty amazing. I'm <laughs> uh, just having fun
0: hanging out, folks. You know you're in good hands with Graveyard of the Gods too, because if I remember correctly, Matthew isn't Magical Kitties Save the Day an uh, any a nominated game, isn't it?
1: It is, yeah. Um, back in. Whenever it came out, man, my mind's blanking on what year it was. Yeah. And he nominated for Best Family Game. And I, once upon a time, many years ago, won a silver any for a setting I did for Savage Worlds called um, Broken Earth, which is a post-apocalyptic setting for that. So Mm -hmm. got got a couple any's in the background there.
0: You've actually done a bunch of work with publishing and producing games, especially for 5e. Rune Wild comes to mind. I've seen that one float around. Mm-hmm. What draws you to putting out content for 5e? Um. Well, I play
1: it, which is one of the, <laughs> yeah, the biggest things. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, we've got a gaming group that meets... Well, I'm in two gaming groups that have, like, 50% overlap, and one, they meet every other week, so one of them's pretty much straight D&D, and then one is, like, choose a new system for every setting we're doing, so we just, Hmm. with that one wrapped up Blades in the Dark, and we're going to be starting next week. We have a session zero for Exalted, so... um, do all kinds of different stuff, but also every other week playing D and D. Uh, and so like it's natural to do what I'm playing. Plus it's like the biggest one in town. So there's a lot of support out there for five E and then, uh, Pathfinder two is another game that have played on the alternate nights, not the D and D night and enjoyed that game too. And, uh, like the second biggest one in town so that uh, those go together well and they they're similar enough in system that they're not a challenge to convert from one to the other like I love fate a ton but going from 5e or pathfinder to fate is a lot more work same savage worlds I love a ton and I do put out savage world stuff but uh, for this one I just decided it was going to be too much conversion work so Kept it with those, two.
0: So you just mentioned there that they're fairly similar. I haven't played a whole lot of Pathfinder 2-E myself. I know that it uses a similar, and I'm going to use that term loosely so I don't get ripped apart by the internet system. (laughs) What goes into making a game that's both, or setting, I should say, that's both 5e and 2e compatible. Mm-hmm. Um,
1: I mean, I feel like setting wise, there's not too much that we need to worry about. Like, um, I mean, they have that same history. Mm-hmm. Um, and like, you know, there is an astral plane on both. So it's pretty easy to say, Hey, this stuff is happening on the astral plane. And they're like, yeah, we're good with that. Um, You know, it's just just mechanics, and like there are there's a few places where like you need to be a little creative with stuff. It's like little differences are are some of the some of the like weirdest things that you don't think about. Like I wrote, I've got a series called This and That, which uh, like examines like rope and like riffs on rope and it's got rope monsters and like rope magic items and stuff. And I did one about light sources and just like, like there's such like subtle little differences in light sources and dark vision between the games that like, I don't think about, um, just when I'm designing stuff, but then when I have to go back, I'm like, oh, yeah, uh, we need to we need to change this a little bit for for the conversion. And like, um, like Dark Vision and 5e is black and white only and not and Pathfinder. And uh, <laughs> so, like, I have to get rid of that line about black and white. So like big picture stuff, they're very similar Like, I feel like any adventure you can probably convert from one to another. You just have to be careful about those details. Yeah. Um, Because there's those little differences in, like, how they scale and how, like, this spell is slightly different from that spell that you just have to keep an eye on.
0: It's one of those things where it really comes down to minor semantics, but they add up when... There's a lot of them built in at the end of the day. Yeah, exactly. We've kind of been skirting around it. We've mentioned the name a couple times, but for everybody listening, what is Graveyard of the Gods? Yes, thank you for asking.
1: Uh, So Graveyard (laughs) of the Gods is an anthology of adventures, and each one is set on a corpse of a different dead god that is in the Astral Sea, so... There's a god of war. There's a god of knowledge. Um, and, like, the the sort of meta story is that the heroes have a boat that sails around the astral plane. And uh, they find these gods either because they're hired by somebody to, you know, explore. Or, like, somebody something happened... Uh, and they need to go solve a problem on this dead god or they're just exploring and they're like hey that looks cool let's go over there and see what's happening with that um and you know we're talking about like giant colossal mm-hmm. uh s- statue looking things but so huge that they can have cities uh, upon them yeah and they they go there and they interact with the locals and fight monsters and discover treasure. And like one of the things that really appeals to me about it is that there's sort of, you know, when you're, when you're in a more mundane location, like you're in a castle, like there's some things that you can be like, Oh, like there's a wizard who used to live here and he did some magic and stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, but you are fairly constrained to sort of what's, what's plausible in a setting like that. Yeah. And like out here you're on a different plane, there's dead gods involved. There's like divine magic seeping all over. So like you can get way more interesting, kind of crazy uh, scenarios. Like, you know, I've got in the one I'm writing, there is a tree that grows prophecies uh, you can pick from, and there's, like, an stone mine. That's, you know, they don't come from wizards. They just mine them out of the ground of this dead god. And, like, uh, gravity works crazy inside the mine, so never can quite be sure which way is up. And then some of the other adventures have other fun, crazy stuff, like time moving at a different rate with the players versus all the NPCs on the island um, and like magical storms and like plants that just make magical fruit and all kinds of fun stuff. So gives a lot of freedom for that. Um, and there's, yeah, we've got a lot of cool adventures that I'm, uh, that I'm looking forward to. I don't know. I'm looking forward to publishing. I've read, <laughs> read them at this point. Uh, so I know what. Goes on in them, but looking forward yeah. to sharing them with the world.
0: So, I got into Dungeons and Dragons in fifth edition. Actually, it wasn't even my first game, but the only reason I was really excited about Spelljammer was because I knew everybody else was excited about Spelljammer. And seeing kind of this coming up, and my guess is that y'all have been working on Great road of the Gods for some time one of my favorite things about how this book is kind of set up is that it's not like a standard A to B to C kind of story. This is something where you can do individual adventures. So I think that's a strong draw for Graveyard of the Gods and implementing it into your games.
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, Like I think of it a lot, like the old school star trek uh like original series next generation where it's like let's go to this planet today and see what kind of hijinks we get up to here and tomorrow we're going to go to this other planet um and like even within the adventures themselves uh like a lot of them are not really story focused there's a lot of like exploration focus in them so Mm -hmm. like there's this cool looking area over here. Let's go see what we can do with that. Or like there are some different factions and it's like, none are really like the one you need to ally with. So you could like, um, I mean, there's, there's one I'm thinking, there's one I'm thinking of where like all of the factions are pretty bad But you can sort of play them against each other and, like, form temporary alliances and then betray them. Uh, And then there's another one uh, where, like, there's a lot more ambiguity in the different factions. Uh So you can ally with some, but it's not, like, you know, the upstanding, like... A lot of adventures, it's like, these are the guys who are your allies. These are the bad guys. Um, yeah. But I like, you know, having that gray area, and then that can create different experiences based on how the players want to want to play things. Uh-huh. Um, and that's something that I really wanted to focus on with these is... You know, it's not a plot per se, but it's more a location where lots of plots could potentially happen.
0: Mm-hmm. And there are a number of wonderful writers who are working on these various adventures, and they're all very unique. Reading through a couple, you have the Junk Racer's Adventure by William Fisher, which immediately caught my eye uh, the idea of building a race a magical race car out of trash and racing it versus a city that's slowly being crushed because it collided with the hand of a dead god like those are very different toads Mm -hmm. but there's a lot to work with there
1: i agree and like i think that but that's definitely intentional having that variety of tones because you know, some GMs might gravitate to one, or some groups might gravitate to one or the other. But also, mm-hmm. I feel like when I'm playing, it's nice to switch things up periodically. Really? Like, let's have some serious adventures, let's have some sillier adventures. Um, mm-hmm. you know, going back to like Star Trek, like, not every episode was, you know, I'm um, to bring out my nerd stuff but like not every episode is we're going to be assimilated by the borg sometimes you just <laughs> need to dress up like robin hood and have some silly shenanigans going on so yeah
0: yeah exactly matthew we had mentioned that there's actually a lot of writers on this i think there's if i remember correctly in the base without any of the expansions there's i think there's six of you one for each adventure right Uh,
1: there's five. There is one, uh, one author doing two. Um,
0: so how did you get working with these folks and agree on this book? Or is it you reaching out and getting some freelance writers? What's that process look like? Yeah.
1: So it's interesting because it's, um, several different processes. Um, First, like, William Fisher uh, is actually someone I game with in person, and you okay. mentioned RuneWild earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, so RuneWild came about because I was gaming from with uh, William, and that was what we were playing, and I'm like, this okay. is awesome. He was GM, and I was a player in that game, and I'm like, this is awesome, and I'm like, I run a publishing company. Would you like to write this up and publish it? And he said, yes. And so that we made that happen. Um, and then uh, the other two adventures that he's got are the Junk Racers one and the Dreams of Astral Evil. Uh, he also ran Junk Racers and Dreams of Astral Evil were other adventures that he ran for us, and I like those. I'm like, yeah, let's write those up, and I think we've got a neat project here. And then, um, like, I kind of figured Spelljammer was coming out before it was announced uh, because if you watch the play tests, the Unearthed Arcana play tests, yeah, they tend to sort of have things that are hints. They had all the Spelljammer races in one before they announced Spelljammer proper. So I was thinking of doing something that would work well with Spelljammer and talk to him about that. I came up with an idea for one. Um, William Fisher had actually worked with... I'm worried I'm going to say his name wrong because I've never actually heard him. I only see it in print. But... Um, Iran Aviram, who I had known his work from Crystal Heart, which is a webcomic turned Savage World setting. And so I was familiar with him. William had worked with him. So we reached out to him and asked him if he was interested. He said yes. And then the other authors came about because I put out an open call and they submitted, and several others submitted, and like there were just too many good ideas to use them all. But I chose a few of my favorites, and yeah, that's that's how we got those authors. So came from several different directions there.
0: So there's a lot that goes into finding those folks then when you're really starting to put a, a book like this together. How big is the the base book without any of the Kickstarter goals, roughly, if you had to guess right now?
1: Yeah, so I'm shooting for 96 pages, um, which, you know, is about the size of those, the Pathfinder, uh, the monthly subscription things that they put yeah. out. Uh, and then, like, we made, we have those stretch goals, which uh, currently... My original hope was that we would be able to uh, make those into a volume two. We will see if we're able to hit that stretch goal, or if not, uh, we will for sure do any that we get as PDFs and then might be able to fold some into the initial volume one book. Uh, I'm not going to commit to that, but we will see what we're able to do with that.
0: As it sits right now, I believe there are nine additional adventures that might go into that second one. Uh, Or is it six? Am I reading that wrong? I
1: think it is six. I think I planned for six six and six.
0: I saw Dinosaur Pirates in Space and got very excited. So I think everything just kind of blanked after that. Uh,
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yep. Uh I was talking with William Fisher again and we were brainstorming and like what what don't we have in the books yet? And we're like, space pirates. How did we overlook space pirates? But then they're like, Well, we can't just have regular space pirates. Let's make them dinosaur space pirates. And we're like, Yes. Uh so that's how we got dinosaur space pirates.
0: That's so good. Matthew, you've done a number of projects too you've been making games since about 2010 but what does the writing process look for you when you sit down to make something
1: so i usually start with some brainstorming um and like there's like an informal brainstorming first which is just me hanging out thinking about stuff Uh and then after i've Thought of about it and had some ideas I start putting some stuff down on paper and I'm like yes I want to have this element and this and maybe this uh, and make just lists of stuff um, and then I sort of f- like focus from there I say like okay what are the ones I'm most excited about Uh, And I start writing those. And then sometimes while I'm doing that, I'll have other ideas about, yeah, I should include this. Um, Like, for example, you know, I'm started with the adventure that I've got for this book. I'm like, I actually am like, what are some ideas that I haven't used before that I'd like to use? And one of them is this prophecy tree and then an ionstone mind. And I'm like, how can I work those together? I'm like, well, yeah, it could be a god of knowledge. Um, and then sort of going from there and like, you know, what are the like elements of those? I brainstormed a list of all the things I thought would be cool with those. I asked some of my friends, like, what would be cool to put in this? And they gave me some ideas. And then um, I'm very like non-linear when I'm writing to, so I'll start with the idea that I'm most excited about, um, and it might be at the beginning or the middle or the end, and then I, I go, okay, yes, and now I'm excited about this part, and I'm excited about this part, and then it, I'll get to a point where I'm like, okay, I've written about 80%, I need to go ahead and like make sure this all ties together and it has all those connective tissues to it. So Mm -hmm. at that point, I start to, like, really organize it and really make sure I'm checking the boxes of, like, the intro, the conclusion, the um, chapter headings, and stuff like that.
0: That's so interesting to me because from the other creators that I've talked to, most of them have been pretty, I don't want to say formulaic because they do some incredible work but you're a lot more freeform than i kind of expected and that's it's super interesting it's just learning these different writing styles so that's really interesting to me especially the set piece part there i i think that's super rad
1: yeah i've um found that there's like just so many different ways to approach writing and you know what works for some people just doesn't work at all for other people um i'm also In a fiction writing group, like I have not published any fiction yet. That's Mm -hmm. a goal of mine. We'll see how that goes. Um, But we talk about uh, like planners and pantsers who like writing by the seat of the pants is where that comes from. And how some (laughs) people do the huge outline and some people just start right in at the beginning and see where it goes. And I find that I'm kind of in the middle of that where like, I like to more or less know where I'm going with it, but Mm -hmm. uh, I don't fill in all the blanks and let a lot of them get filled in as I'm progressing with things.
0: I think that is kind of a a good thing for people who listen to the podcast here too, because a number of people who do join us for the show, are either working on their own projects for the first time, or they're interested in something specific. So I think that's always great to hear. Matthew, something I wanted to bring up too was that, and we I mentioned it when we first started our conversation that I had to change it. At this point of recording, which just for some reference is on August 25th, Graveyard of the Gods is about funded still got 21 days to go as per release of this episode. It's got a little bit over a week. So I want to ask what the Kickstarter experience has been for you so far.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's been good. Like, um, I'm, it's going to fund for sure. You know, I've done enough of these that I sort of know the pattern that it does. And, um, this one is definitely going to fund, like, you always wanted to fund, like, day one. That's always the dream with the Kickstarter, and we didn't fund day one, obviously. Um, but I, I'd say within a week, we're probably going to ha- hit our funding goal. So probably yeah. by the time this hits air, I bet it will be oh, funded. <laughs> um, and actually, I while you were talking, I just refreshed, and we had another backer since the since our conversation started. So continuing to make progress.
0: So even higher than I just said.
1: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, So yeah, I mean, it's been good. It's like, you always have the hope of it being like this huge, massive success, which it's Mm -hmm. not going to be a million dollar Kickstarter. It's going to be in the tens of thousands though, which is, I'm always happy with. And yeah, I think I'm on track to maybe break my backer record, which is 500 and something. I don't know off the top of my head, but I think we'll get more backers probably this campaign, which is sort of how I judge the campaigns because like the size of the project can make different dollar amounts where like, you know, if I have a really short small book, it's going to raise less than a bigger book. Uh, yeah. But the number of backers is pretty consistent. So I think we're on mm-hmm. track to have our highest backer from for this campaign, which I think is pretty great.
0: That's super exciting, too. And I, I hope so, because like I said, even just art-wise and with the trailer, it looks really exciting. And like something that a lot of people will be able to get into really easily. I mean, the first stretch goal is an adventure for level 3 up. I think the lowest in the base book is level 4. Yeah, level mm-hmm. 4. So you can drop this into your campaign really early. I mean, you can start with it, too. Even with new players, Like I think it's a really solid place for people to have a lot of fun with just doing either short-form adventures or really diving in deep and exploring some weird astral sea stuff.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That is the goal. Uh, give GMs options because you know, I've found that GMs like to do things differently and I think there'll be some of all of that. Some people just grab one adventure they like. Some might run through them all in a series Some might just loot the monsters. There's a bunch of new monsters and magic items that we got. So, yeah, I try to make everything that I put out flexible so that, you know, different GMs can use them however they want.
0: Mm -hmm. Matthew, a a thing that I like to ask friends who are in the Kickstarter sphere is what is kind of like your dream project? to eventually get up on on Kickstarter? Is there something you have specifically, or have you kind of already been doing that whenever something new comes out? Yeah,
1: I mean, I... um, Like, every project I've done is something I've been really excited about. Like, I do have a secret project that I've been writing over the course of the years that I don't think I'm ready to spill the beans about yet. Oh. Uh I might maybe come back someday and spill the beans about that. that. So like <laughs> that might be my dream project, but I don't I don't want to quite tell everybody what it is
0: yet. Um That's super exciting and Obviously, we'd love to have you back to talk about that later down the road. You heard it first to your audience. We're going to try and get that out of Matthew down the road. <laughs> Matthew, we've been talking for a little bit now, and something else that I think that people who have missed out on previous Kickstarters can actually really enjoy about sneak attacks is the fact that you have offered a Kickstarter catch-up. Can you tell us a little bit about what that is for people who may not be familiar?
1: Yeah. Um, so basically what it is, is uh, if you missed a Kickstarter in the past, we have the the main rewards from several of our most recent Kickstarters as add-ons that you can do. So like you mentioned, the Rune Wilds um, already, which for those of you who don't know, it's a big hex crawl in this kind of creepy forest where there's, like, witches and fae and talking animals and all kinds of shenanigans go down there. Um, uh, We've got one called Terrain Toolbox, which is paired with alternate objectives. They're two different books, but uh, they came from the same Kickstarter, and they are about adding more to your encounters. So one's about terrain, uh, and one is about like different wind conditions, not just killing everybody, but you have to steal a MacGuffin before the bad guys do, or like protect this NPC. Um, and then some adventures and the, uh, the this and that series, which I mentioned before with the rope and, uh, the light sources and stuff. And it's just, Mm -hmm. um, just a way that you can get those things if you missed them before. And like, this is Kickstarter only pretty recently ish started doing add-ons, which I think is a nice feature used to be. Everything was had to be a pledge level. And like, you know, I couldn't do a pledge level with like each of these individually. That would just be too cumbersome, but having them as add-ons makes it a lot easier. Um, and so this is the first time I've done a, a campaign with add-ons like that. And I think it's been really well because a number of people have gotten them. Um, and it helps helps boost that total a little bit and gets us closer to the goal. And then, you know, you can pick up something that looks cool. Um, and those will be all the add-ons will be going out right away at the end of the campaign. So You won't have to wait for us to finish the Graveyard of the Gods book. You'll get those a lot sooner. (laughs) Um, Yeah, and I think it's just a win-win for creators and for the
0: audience both. It's honestly a great way for people to catch up on creators that they've recently discovered and are wanting to get more of what they offer. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Beth, you were starting to run a little bit low on time here, but I got two more questions for you. One is super short, but one can be a little bit more complex there. So hope you don't mind me asking, but what advice could you give to creators who are looking to create their own projects, but they may not know where to start?
1: Yeah. Um, I would start by looking at things you love and sort of thinking about how they are done. Um, sort analyzing them taking apart the like what is this adventure that i really like why do i like it what do the authors do for that uh and then like i started by freelancing to help me get an idea of you know what worked well and what didn't and got some great advice from some of the the early publishers that i worked with there um yeah and then, like, there's just so many tools these days to make things easier. I started doing PDFs with Drive Through RPG. No, it wasn't Drive Through RPG back then. It was RPG now that shows for those of you who who know those things shows the uh, um, <laughs> shows the age of how long I've been doing this. Um, and like, uh, GM's Guild. Like, I don't use it for various business reasons, but the thing that I think it is really good for is people just starting out because there's so much, like, templates there. They've got the old stock art that you can use in yours. um, And they've just got a lot of tools built in there that make, like, all of the stuff beyond the writing really easy, which, for me that was definitely the hardest part at first was the layout and the art and all of that. Um, and they've got so many tools out there these days to make all of that easy. So the last thing is just like, keep going. Don't give up. Um, persistence will get you there eventually. And like, you might have to struggle with this part or that part, but You can go online, you can Google it, you can go to various Discord communities, uh, get advice. Um, The website, uh, RPGNet, has a great forum where there is a section there where you can ask for advice. And yeah, just keep going and uh, you'll, you'll be able to succeed. I think
0: that's fantastic advice. Especially with how open the community is really to helping new creators. So utilizing your resources and really making sure that you don't stop are hugely important. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Matthew, final question of the night. Where can people find out more about you and Graveyard of the Gods? Yeah. Um so
1: Graveyards of the Gods is on uh, Kickstarter. If you um, are uh, looking for it, you know probably just easiest to type in Graveyard of the Gods in the search thing there, rather than me spelling it out, but if you have link notes, <laughs> we can put it on the link note, probably. Or, episode, what are they called? Sorry. Oh, yeah.
0: The description.
1: Yeah, the description. Thank you. Um... I am on Twitter at SneakAttackPress with one S because that is the character limit for usernames on Twitter. I understand that. Yep. Um, and, like, I'm kind of on Facebook, but not as much as Twitter. And I do have a website, SneakAttackPress.com, that I don't update as much as I should. Um <laughs> So Twitter is, tends to be the most up-to-date uh, thing that I do. Yeah, it's, there's a lot for RPG publishing, and managing a website is not my 100% strong suit. Um, <laughs> it's lower but writing priority. and putting out books is. So there you go.
0: As always, audience, those links are going to be down in the description below. Matthew, thank you so much for joining me on the show this week. It's been absolutely stellar. Like I said, I recently got back into playing 5e, so getting to talk about it a little bit has been something that's really exciting for me, too.
1: Yeah, it has been a blast talking to you, and glad to have you back doing 5th edition. Um, (laughs) It's fun, and I I am... The anti-gatekeeper. I want everybody to come in and everybody to play, so good to have you here.
0: And audience, thank you so much for joining us this week. Matthew and Graveyard of the Gods, they're scheduled to launch really soon, so go on to Kickstarter and support them. Pick up this fantastic book, even if you just want to look at the art or one or two of the adventures, because it's great. The PDF prices are incredibly reasonable. I didn't even get to talk about that. They're so fairly priced. Just, yeah, come and support this game and go and support Michael, Matthew, and the other wonderful writers of Graveyard of the Gods, because it's going to be a great time. Once again, Matthew, thank you so much for joining me. Audience, thank you for listening. And We'll talk to you all really soon. Until then, though, take care of yourselves. Have a great night. I'll see you on the next one. Bye. Thank you so much to Matthew for joining me on the show this week. It was a lot of fun, and I really learned a lot about this. Really cool supplement. If you're listening to this on release, then you have nine days left to go back to of the Gods. So that ends on September 15th of 2022, and Be aware that it's already surpassed its goal, so you don't have to worry about the project's not coming to fruition. Check it out and see if there's any adventures that are right for you and your table. I'm sure Matthew and the rest of the writers will be thrilled to have you. And as always, audience, thank you so much for listening. I just wanted to take a quick moment to thank all of you who joined us on the various charity streams and donated. It really is appreciated and does make quite a big difference. Due to some technical difficulties, Pokemon The Maple League on Live from the Apocalypse is going to be going for an extra week, and you can catch the official second episode tomorrow, Wednesday, September 7th at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, where we're going to be fighting one of the regional legendaries and a specific corporate coffee chain. So if you like Pokemon and joking about Canada, then join us and have a great time along with this story that we're doing, because it's been really funny and i've enjoyed every moment of it that's everything from me this week though so take care of yourselves and i'll chat with you all real soon bye